Section 27 of The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories by Nicholas Carter. The Mystery of St. Agnes's Hospital. Chapter 7. The Man with the Sack. I will have your story first, said Nick to Prescott. I will not subject Miss Allen to the annoyance of questioning, unless it is necessary. We are engaged to be married, said Prescott, beginning his story with evident embarrassment. And the course of true love does not run smooth, said Nick, with a smile. No, it does not, responded Prescott. Her father is strongly opposed to our marriage. However, as both of us are of age, it will take place. We have been obliged to meet secretly, and we have frequently walked in the evening in the grove back of St. Agnes's Hospital. We were there Monday evening, and we remained much later than we should have done. We had many things to talk about. It must have been midnight when we left the place. As we were walking slowly up one of the paths, we became aware that a man was approaching from behind us. Not wishing to be seen, we stepped aside among the trees and waited. The man came on up the path, and by the moonlight which struggled through the branches of the trees, we saw that he was carrying a great sack. I instantly suspected that some crime was afoot. My first thought was that this was a grave robber carrying a body. I supposed that he had brought the body to the shore of the river in a boat and was carrying it to one of the doctors in the hospital. We allowed him to pass us, and then we followed him. He went to the wall surrounding the hospital grounds. Choosing a place where there is a bank of rubbish against the wall, he lifted the sack to the top. Then I knew that it could not contain the dead body. How did you know that? asked Nick. "'because he lifted it so easily. "'What was in the sack I do not know, of course. "'There was some crooked business about it, I have no doubt. "'But it was not a body that he had there, "'because, by the way he handled it, "'I saw that it could not weigh over fifty pounds, "'and the sack was too large to have only a child's body in it. "'What did you do?' "'We watched him lay the sack on top of the wall "'and then climb up. He dropped the sack into the garden and let himself down from the wall. We paid no further attention to the matter. It made Margaret very nervous, but I proved to her, by the weight of the sack, that her suspicions regarding its contents were unfounded. "'Did you know the man?' asked Nick. "'I hardly like to answer that question. "'Why not? "'I am afraid of doing somebody an injustice.' "'You have a suspicion, then?' I have. Was the man Dr. Jarvis? I cannot say. I do not know him. But his dress? I see that it is useless to try to conceal anything from you, said Prescott. The man wore the peculiar cap and dressing gown which everybody knows for the doctors. There is no doubt about it, said Miss Allen. It was Dr. Jarvis. I thank you very much for your evidence, said Nick. "'But why do you want it?' asked Prescott. "'I have heard a rumor that Patrick Deaver has disappeared.' 
This is his brother's house. Is the doctor suspected of having murdered him? He is, said Nick. Then I see the bearing of my story upon the case. But I assure you that that bag did not contain Patrick Beaver's body. It was too light. Prescott spoke with decision. Out of the corner of his eyes, Nick could see Chick struggling with this phase of the evidence. Chick was too good a detective not to know that one little fact of that kind is worth a hundred that lie too near the surface. You can do me only one more favor, said Nick, addressing Prescott and Miss Allen. Do not, under any circumstances, mention what you have seen without my permission. You can trust us for that, said Prescott with a smile. We are by no means anxious to have our connection with this affair made public. The two witnesses withdrew, leaving Nick and Chick together. They were silent for several minutes, and then Nick said, Well, Chick, the chain is complete. It is, was Chick's reply, and in all my experience I have never seen a plainer case made out against any man. You mean from a jury's point of view? Certainly. What do you think of it? I wish you'd tell me just what you think of it, Nick. I guess we shouldn't be found to differ a great deal, said Nick, with a smile. This is my view. But hold on. Here comes Deaver. Indeed, Deaver was at that moment entering the house. He was accompanied by a young man of a very unpleasant appearance. To Nick's eyes, he seemed a born thief. Well, said Deaver, entering the room, here we are. You mean that the case is complete, said Nick. Absolutely. This witness whom you have brought supplies the length that was wanting? He does. I shall be glad to hear his story. His name, said Deaver, is John Flint. Where are you employed, Mr. Flint? asked Nick. I ain't doing nothing just now, said Flint. What do you know about the disappearance of Mr. Deaver's brother? I don't know anything about it, but I saw something Monday night which Mr. Deaver wants me to swear to. And you are willing? Yes, I am willing, but I don't want to get into court if I can help it. I told him, explained Deaver, that we would try to keep him out of court. He thinks it might lose him a job he wants to get. There is evidence enough without his, the Lord knows. I will hear you now, said Nick. The way of it was this, said Flint. Monday night, about midnight, I was down in the vacant lot of St. Agnes's Hospital. I was just looking for a fellow I heard had gone down that way. That was Klein, said Deaver. I walked up the street and had just turned the corner of the wall when I saw a man coming up under the trees. He was carrying a big bag. I kept out of sight and watched him. I thought at first that there was some crooked work, but the man with the bag didn't seem to be afraid. He came up to the wall in a place where there was some rubbish piled against it and lifted the bag onto the top of the wall. Then he climbed up himself and let the bag down into the garden. That's all I know about it. Did you notice how the man was dressed? He had on a loose, long coat, a queer sort of thing, and a little round cap on his head. That will do, said Nick. I am much obliged. It will not be necessary, I think, for you to testify to these facts in court. 
"'There's enough without it,' said Deaver. "'You'll take Jarvis to headquarters now, won't you?' "'Well, no,' said Nick. "'I hadn't thought of it.' "'I'll be doubly and eternally.' Deaver's wrath and surprise choked him. "'Never mind,' he said, at last, mastering his rage. "'Come along, John, and you get out.' "'With all the pleasure in life,' said Nick, quietly walking toward the door. Chick had slipped away at Deaver's approach. Nick met him outside. "'What did Deaver's witness say?' asked Chick. "'He told exactly the same story as Prescott. "'I'm surprised to hear it. "'Why?' "'Prescott, in my opinion, told the truth. "'So I believe. "'And Deaver's man?' I got a glimpse of him, struck me as a liar in the first degree. I took him for a man Deaver had hired in order to hurry up his vengeance on Dr. Jarvis. But as they told the same story, and Prescott can have no connection with Deaver or the other man, it must be true. Right, but the meaning of it... Chick paused. Suddenly a flash came from his eyes. I have it, he cried. "'That's good,' said Nick. "'Now if you'll follow Deaver, I'll go back to Dr. Jarvis.' Accordingly, Nick hurried home. He found Jarvis in a state of great mental anguish. "'It is an extraordinary fate,' he cried, as soon as Nick appeared, "'which has twice brought these Deavers into my life to make me miserable.' "'You have had to do with them before?' asked Nick. "'Yes, and in a way that is beyond belief.' "'Explain yourself.' This man, Lawrence Deaver, said the doctor with a groan, had the incredible presumption to make love to my daughter. Nick could not help smiling. What did you do about it, he asked. I sent him about his business in a hurry. Was that all? No, and I'm ashamed to say it. There is no possible way of accounting for the conduct of women. My daughter actually took this fellow's part. But nothing came of it? No, sir, I am master of my own household. So your daughter really loved this man? No, it was only her obstinacy. They became acquainted in some way. I don't know how. The fellow called at my house. I made my daughter promise never to speak to him, but it was a most unpleasant affair throughout. I thought Deaver would murder me. It seems strange, perhaps, that I should speak of it in the midst of the terrors that surround me, and yet I can't help thinking of the whole affair as one freak of fate. And now tell me the truth about his brother, and yourself, said Nick, earnestly. I will, replied the doctor. At this moment a messenger was announced. Nick knew that the matter must be of the greatest importance, or he would not have been interrupted in his conference with his prisoner. It proved to be a message from Superintendent Burns, asking Nick to come to his house as soon as he could. End of section 27, recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.